Can you hear that music? It's incidental Star Trek music from Star Trek the Animated Series by Filmation. I'm just going to let it play because I've just given up any pretense at having good, useful quality in this because there's a lawnmower across the street. This is where if Radio Free Burrito had a presenting sponsor, I would say something like, uh, Radio Free Burrito is brought to you by uh, five-day-old seafood. Five-day-old seafood? <laughs> then go to fiveday-old-seafood.com. It's not refrigerated because it doesn't have to be. It's kind of ready to eat. Use offer code NERDIST <laughs> and, get a, and get a free bag to keep your guts in after you vomit them up. Five-day-old seafood. But... <laughs> Since I don't have a presenting sponsor, I will simply say that it is Wednesday, July 12th, 2017, and you are listening to Radio Free Burrito, episode 50. Hipsters, <laughs> flipsters, and finger-popping daddies, knock me your lobes. It is me, your very favorite person in the entire world, and quite possibly your secret imaginary friend, Will Wheaton, and this is Radio Free Burrito. You guys, it's episode 50, which means that it is an episode of arbitrary significance, because we humans have five fingers on each hand, thereby assigning a, uh, a meaning to multiples of five and since we have two multiples of five, when we hold our hands in front of us, we assign even more arbitrary meaning to multiples of 10. This being episode 50, it is of arbitrary significance in two different directions, and it is why it is so late. I recorded most of an episode 50 a little while ago, and uh, the reality is it just sucked. It sucked a lot, and I was like, I am not going to release this, so I stopped. And then today I was like, hey, I have some stories to tell and some music I want to play and some amusing anecdotes to share. And then the guy across the street was like, oh, finally, now I can start my lawnmower. And I had built up all this stuff about how there was just going to be lawnmower noise. And then he stopped his lawnmower. So, like, I guess thank you for stopping your lawnmower guy across the street. But um, I had kind of like I, I wrote a lot of jokes that were uh, lawnmower uh, centric focused related to lawnmowers, lawnmower adjacent, dependent on lawnmowers, and now they're they're all gone. Remember that movie, The Lawnmower Man? It's not good. It's not good. Um, so speaking of things that are not good, let's talk about something that is really good. Have you watched Glow yet on Netflix? It is a series about the incredibly successful and unfairly short-lived wrestling uh, television program that premiered in the late 80s and ran until the early 90s. I think it ran until actually 1990 exactly. Um, this series dramatizes the uh, beginnings of GLOW leading up to the taping of the pilot episode of the series. It um, uh, features uh, Alison Brie and Mark Marin and an absolutely sensational cast of magnificent actors. Anne and I loved it. We watched it, uh, I mean, I think we watched it over the over about five days. Uh, I, I think I've said this on the podcast before, like we live at this era when we can binge television and I think that there's something to that, right? It's kind of fun to just like tear through a story, but also if you don't give episodes time to breathe and you don't give yourself the ability to like reflect back on, on what you just watched, 
I feel like a lot of the nuance is lost and some of the cool parts of the story that you would be thinking about and reflecting on over the course of a week, maybe if you were kind of water cooler talking about the show with your friends or coworkers or whatever while you wait for the next episode. I feel like a lot of those moments just get lost. And what we're left with is the very broad, big plot points, which is fine, but in our memories, that kind of leaves us with sort of like a Cliff's Notes summary of a show without all of uh, all of the like cool things that that make it uh, beautiful and and, uh, and and worth remembering. So uh, Glow is great. Um, and very much like Orange is the New Black uh, in its first season, I've fallen away from that show and I don't remember, I don't remember when I fell away from it, but I felt like it kind of started to, it's, it did a thing that, that it, and that we call bailing on the promise of the premise. And that's where uh, uh, I sort of feel like, Whatever it was that brought me as an audience member into the show, um, the the showrunner and and the and the writers just kind of like stopped doing that, and it wasn't it, it it's not as uh, not as interesting to me as it once was. Um, uh, I don't say that like I don't think it's bad. It's just not my bag anymore. And as we are living in an era of more television that is amazing than there is time to watch, um, I think that uh, it's okay to just choose things. And I mean, it's not like they're going anywhere, right? But anyway, what I loved about the first season of Orange Is the New Black is that like I actually found the primary point of view character Piper to be kind of uninteresting um, and I found all the women in prison with her to be magnificently interesting and their stories were incredible and every actor on that show with I think the notable exception of Jason Biggs it was was so good and just flawless in their performances and I feel like Glow kind of does the same thing all the different women who play all the different wrestlers Glow stands for gorgeous ladies of wrestling all the women who play all the different wrestlers are so 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 good and I really hope that the that this show is a breakout for all of them because I want to see them in other things and see uh, what else they can do um, so we've been watching that and I highly highly recommend it um, and uh, and when you're done watching it there is a terrific documentary about glow uh, that that you can watch where they actually interviewed a lot of the actual, gorgeous ladies of wrestling and they talk about what their time was like together and uh, they all end up kind of like uh, reflecting on what it was like and what their relationships were like and it's really super cool. I would not watch it before you watch the series but I would definitely watch it after you watch the series. So we've been watching that. We've been also watching uh, Handmaid's Tale um, which some of you might know as uh, the news um, but, uh, that's a, that's a really good thing too. I can't remember why I was like, oh, I'm going to sit down and talk about TV shows that I'm watching because that's a fucking thing people care about. Um, but I'm trying my best to get through this without judgment because when I stop to, uh, judge, uh, how I'm doing, I'm like, you're terrible and shouldn't do anything because you're the worst. And as we all know, that is probably not the best way to actually get things done. Uh, so um, I'm going to uh, play you a thing. And then when I come back, I'm going to try this thing that I've been thinking about trying, um, but, uh, but haven't done yet before. And we'll find out together if it works. Uh, it is Radio Free Burrito. I am Will. I don't know who you are, but I'm sure you're great. Um, uh, listen to this and then I'll be back.
from the 1960 stereo LP, The Savage and Sensuous Bongos, that was Juju Man. The uh, artist of that is a guy called Don Ralk, who you uh, are familiar with, even if you don't know his name. You are familiar with him because uh, he was responsible for a lot of the music you heard in uh, Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley. He uh, also did the music for Snoopy Come Home in 1972, but probably the reason the majority of you in this audience who listen to me on the burrito know his work is because he is the guy who convinced people like William Shatner and Lorne Green to do narration over musical background, which, as most of you know, led to Shatner's amazing Rocket Man and everything on his album, The Transformed Man, which, if you haven't listened to before or or have only listened to kind of like ironically or uh, for like humorous purposes, is very much worth listening to. Um, there is a lot of really... Uh, like, like bold and, and, uh, and, and risky choices, uh, uh, involved in, in like putting that record together. And, um, even though we all sort of laugh at like Shatner's Mr. Tambourine Man and all that stuff, I really applaud the risk that he took doing that record. Um, and it's just, I just, I love it. I think it's really great. And of course, you know, there's a there's an album called Golden Throats that Rhino Records released back in the days of uh, Rhino releasing amazing things that uh, that has, uh, has has some of Shatner stuff on it. Uh, also, uh, uh, Leonard Nimoy's The Ballad of Bilbo Baggins and things like that. Uh, but uh, here, hey, check it out. Um, I wanted to try this thing from the very beginning of of having this idea that I would do a podcast, uh, which is a very, very long time ago now. I have had this idea to uh, put into audio something that I had put into writing uh, on my blog. Like back when I was thinking about starting this podcast forever ago, um, I thought, no one wants to listen to you talk, Will Wheaton. And you are boring when you talk by yourself. And um, that's probably still true for uh, a lot of people. Um, but I thought, well, you know, instead of just being a guy sitting around talking about things, maybe I could like take something that's like the best thing that I wrote this week or whatever, and I would read it. This is before I started narrating audiobooks on the reg, as the kids say. Um, <clears throat> and... Uh, I thought uh, I would give that a try today because I wrote a thing a few days ago called Five Things I Want You to Know. And these are five things that I could talk about uh, on the podcast. And I just thought I would give it a try and, and see if it works. So let's find out together if this works. Ready? Here we go. Five things I want you to know. Number one, my friends Kumail and Emily wrote and produced a movie called The Big Sick. I am sure you have heard of The Big Sick. It is a movie about how they met and fell in love, and it is absolutely wonderful. It's a great date movie. It's really funny. It is heartwarming without being saccharine, and it's a true story. I have known Emily and Kumail for years, and I never knew that shortly after they met and began dating and then decided that like maybe they weren't going to date uh, uh, because, for, because of things that happened in the film, uh, she fell into a medically induced coma, which I guess isn't really falling into a coma. I guess that's sort of like like laying down and then the hospital's like, uh, here you go, have a coma. Um, and I never knew that. And it, the movie is about how they fell in love. And while she was in a coma, uh, Kumail was there for her parents and kind of like what, what happened. It's, it's amazing. Uh, Ray Romano and Holly Hunter play her parents. Um, I just love it. I love it so much. But here's the thing. And this is why I, I, I talked about it on my blog. And it's one of the reasons I was going to talk about it on this episode of the podcast. Anyway, it's an indie movie. It's a very small movie in terms of 
budget and in terms of like like what the studio initially put behind it. Um, and uh, uh, it is it is so wonderful that it is holding its own against big blockbuster studio movies in the middle of summer, which is really awesome. Like you may have heard of this movie that came out about 30 years ago called Stand By Me. It kind of did the same thing. It was a little indie movie that started out in a few theaters and slowly went national and slowly got added to more theaters and eventually everybody who wanted to see it could see it. So I'm thrilled that The Big Sick is growing and and uh, and and going to more theaters and and still having really good box office every weekend um, because it's a great movie and and I believe that it should absolutely be considered during the award season. But <clears throat> this is what's really important. This is why I wanted to mention it. The only way that The Big Sick is going to stay in theaters and the only way that it will expand to national theaters the way that it really should so that like you can go oh I want to see that and I live in I don't know like pick a town that that isn't like like uh you know like not New York Chicago or Los Angeles or you know like sort of like a like a town that that like uh you know you don't have an international airport right like you have a regional airport and then you go to whatever I feel like I'm insulting a lot of towns and that's not my intention um uh, but uh, if you want it to get out to all of those cities, it has to outperform expectations every week, which I think is really unfair. But that's business, and that's how it works. That's how it works. So I am uh, I'm telling everybody that I know about it so that they will go and see it. And if you've seen it once, maybe take other people and go see it again because um, it is a lovely, wonderful movie, and I'm really happy and proud uh, for my friends. And uh, they're on fresh air, you guys. They're on fresh air. Like, that is my dream. We're rapidly approaching that point where, like, I'm the only one of my friends who hasn't been on fresh air. Um, but I'm really excited and happy for them. So, the big sick. Thing number two. Uh, <clears throat> a couple of days ago, Anne woke me up about 20 minutes before my alarm was set to go off because she needed me to hear the noise our air conditioner was uh, making. This particular uh, thing could not wait 20 minutes for me because the air conditioner was making a noise similar to putting a handful of ball bearings and broken glass into a blender. <laughs> and uh, it turns out that what happened was the motor in our air conditioner blew out in the middle of the three hottest days we have had this year in the beautiful San Fernando Valley because I am a goddamn genius and I didn't change the $10 air filter. So it was so caked with dust and bullshit and dog fur and who the fuck knows what else, um, the motor burned out. So uh, instead of spending $10 to replace an air filter, uh, I spent about $1,800, which thankfully I'm very grateful to have had uh, uh, shoved into a sock and put underneath the couch exactly for this uh, uh, eventuality um, and uh, 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 to be spent on uh, the you know, air conditioner thing. Um, but because I forgot to change the filter... Uh, it cost me a ton of money. And uh, I mentioned this on my blog and I mentioned it on the podcast because, hey, if you haven't changed the filter on your air conditioner, maybe go do that. Probably be a good idea. On Saturday, um, my friend Cal, uh, who some of you have heard me talk about before because we've been gaming together since we were in high school, Cal came over. He and his wife moved away and uh, because he moved away and my friend Terry moved away, um, uh, they were like the last two of my game group from school. Uh, and my game group was dealt a total party kill and I don't have any people to play games with anymore. I have not played games in months. So on Saturday, it was the first time that I had played games in a really, really long time. And I wrote on my blog, at first I was happy to take a break because gaming has been my job for the last four years. But as time went by, I became acutely aware of how significant gaming is to my life, my joy, and my reason for being. And like tabletop the show is a complicated thing for me. Uh, and I just want to parenthetically say to the board game subreddit, hi guys, Maybe Tabletop isn't a show for you to watch. Like, it seems like you just hate it and complain about it and yell at me about all the things that you don't like about it. And it just, like, seems that the whole reason you watch it is to complain at me about things that happen and complain about things that happened years ago. So, like, maybe it's not for you. 
maybe there's another show that you could watch. Maybe there's a show that you would enjoy that you can watch. So like instead of watching it and then complaining about everything in it, um, shut the fuck up forever and go watch one of the other really good shows that you're going to love that's going to make you happy. Okay, thanks. Oh, while I'm grateful as hell for everything that Tabletop has done to promote the gaming hobby, like, you know, getting more people to play games and, and, and helping game stores and, and just sort of like helping our uh, hobby become more mainstream, the way Legendary handled the fourth season and the relentless shitting on it by internet strangers really took its toll on me. Um, and it made me sad. And for the longest time, whenever I thought about tabletop, I just felt sad. I felt defeated. I felt demoralized. Um, I felt disappointed. Um, and, uh, and it was really just kind of like a drag. And I had been so consumed by the things that made the show a bummer for me in its fourth season, which honestly, I think content wise is one of the best seasons we've done. I think, I think on balance uh, expressed as a percentage of the total episodes we did this season, it's definitely the strongest season. Um, uh, because of, because of that, um, I kind of lost sight of how much I love gaming and I kind of lost sight of how proud I am of the show. Um, and I lost track of like all the good things that, that tabletop as a show as, as, as separated from tabletop gaming as a hobby, um, had, had done for my life. And I, I hadn't really stopped to think about the literally thousands of people. I mean, it's, we're probably closing in on tens, on, on like ten thousands of people who have shared stories with me about how, tabletop affected their lives and and how it was important for for them. Ooh, do you hear that, Eric? Do you hear that? You hear the lawnmower? Do you hear it? You probably don't hear it, so let me do this. There, do you hear it? Do you hear that fake lawnmower I just made? Oh, it's really going on out there. What is that? It's like a lawnmower plus a wood chipper plus a, a, a leaf blower all together. You really can't hear it. I know you can't hear it because now I can't hear it. Guys, what if I'm going crazy? What if like my uh, what if my mind is going? What if I'm Hal and my mind is going and I'm about to kick you all out of the uh, discovery and lock the pod bay doors? What about what if that happens? That's a thing to think about. Um, sorry, I've wandered away a bit. Um, I keep meeting people who tell me how much they love tabletop and like they tell me stories about how it brought their family together or it brought them back to the hobby that they had fallen away from. Or when I was in DC for AwesomeCon, I kept meeting people who were military who told me how like they made gamers out of everyone in their units when they were like in Afghanistan. Um, and this guy was like, I got to tell you that I spent all day uh, trying not to die and it was really awesome to come back to the base and get away from that by playing games. And Tabletop made it possible for me to uh, like have people to play with because we could watch the show together and then we could play games. You would think that stories like that would just massively outweigh randos on the internet being fucking cocks about everything. But that's just not the way my stupid broken depression brain works. And it just gets exhausting. You know, to just constantly be like attacked for stuff, especially stuff that we work on real hard. And I guess that life would be better for me if I could just blow that off and not pay attention to it. But I can't. Um, so what I had done as a uh, like survival uh, mechanism, I guess, a coping mechanism was just like not game and just sort of like backed away from it entirely. But when Cal came down, he was like, hey, I'm coming down. Let's play some games. So we got together and gamed and we uh, we played uh, a couple of games of Santorini, which is a super fun two-player game. Um, that is new to me. I really like it. Um, if there's more tabletop, I feel like that would be a great two-player episode. Um, and, uh, and then we played Lords of Waterdeep. My son Ryan came over and he brought his friend Cameron and we played Lords of Waterdeep with the Scoundrels of Skullport expansion. Oh my God, it was so much fun. It was so much fun and I'd forgotten. Like I had just forgotten. It's just a thing that happens, you know? Like what have you forgotten about? Like take a second and think about that. What's a thing that you love that you've forgotten about? I guarantee you there's something. There is something that you love that you have forgotten about. 
and like you you forgot about it because you had a bad experience related to it or uh, or, or one of the people involved in doing it with you um, in, in play, like playing the game or, or, or playing the music or, or I don't know whatever going roller skating you know like like just there was a shitty person involved and like it kind of like 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 uh, it soured the entire experience right well like but there's still good stuff in there that like is the whole reason we started our hobbies in the first place. I had totally forgotten and it sounds so dumb. I feel dumb right now saying it, but I also feel like there's at least one of you listening to this who right now is doing the same thing that I did when I was playing Lords of Waterdeep. And I was like, oh man, I forgot how much I like this. Uh, we played Lords of Waterdeep. It was great. I lost, like I always do. Cal always wins when we play games because he's so good. So we were playing for second place, and uh, and I went from last place to uh, third place out of four people. So check me out, you guys. And then we played Splendor, which I absolutely love, um, and uh, and also lost, um, but uh, but had a really good time playing. And I wrote about this on my blog, and I talked about it today because. Playing those games with my son and his friend and my friend was sort of like we steered a ship together out of this fog of sadness that I have lived in for like half a year. Um, and uh, and it made me excited about gaming again. And I went, uh, actually went to the board game subreddit. If like they're, you know, having a fucking tantrum about tabletop i just don't look at it anymore but like i was there someone was like hey scythe just won yet another best of does it really deserve it and i hadn't even heard of scythe that's how like out of gaming i am right now and uh and i read about it and then i went to board game geek and looked at it and anyway long story longer i bought it and i'm looking forward to playing it this weekend um the fourth thing i want you to know is that i have been listening to a lot of bob marley uh, probably because it's really hot, and uh, and I always kind of associate Bob Marley and reggae with uh, with like the summer, and like I you know I I want to listen to it when it's really warm outside, but also just like it calms me down and it soothes me. And I came across this record on Google Play, and I think I've talked about this before. Like Google Play Music is great. Boy, is it worth your ten dollars a month. In fact, I'm going to do a fake commercial for Google Play Music in a minute. Um, but uh, uh, I came across this this thing called Dreams of Freedom, the ambient translation of Bob Marley in dub. And if you liked the ambient tracks um, or the dub that I played on the last episode of Radio Free Brito, I cannot oversell this record for you. It is so 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 good. Um, the fifth thing that I wrote on my blog. Uh, is about why I haven't been doing Radio Free Burritos. The upshot of it is I feel like I go to this mental box to find stuff to talk about, and it's recently been empty and sad. Ha ha, just like me. Ha ha, that's not a joke. I'm fine. Ha ha ha. Everything's great, you guys. Yay. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, um, uh, but then the fifth thing that is the original fifth thing that I forgot about is... I'm on the Love It or Leave It podcast with John Lovett, uh, which is part of the Crooked Media Network. It is an explicitly political podcast uh, done by the guys who do Pod Save America. And um, I had a really good time on it. Uh, one of the guests was, I think, a little high and and wasn't as uh, uh, like strong a contributor as, as I think could have been possible. Um, but we, uh, and, and it was weird, like it kind of like broke up the flow of things. Um, wouldn't be my first choice. Like if I could redo it, I would be like, maybe don't be high while we're doing this. Um, liked this person a lot, really enjoyed talking to this, to this person before and after the show. Um, but like, you know, I have a, a work ethic for performing and it just, this, in this particular instance, it was not the greatest thing ever, but we talked about some really good stuff, and I enjoyed the episode a whole lot, and it was really an honor to be asked to do it. And um, Anyway, I'm just sharing it with people. And finally, a sixth thing, because this happened after I wrote this blog post. Um, I uh, My episode of Whose Line Is It Anyway that I taped like well over a year ago finally aired this week. Uh, it, it, it ran on Monday night, so it's probably on like, I don't know where the Warner Brothers shows uh, stream, you know, after they've been on TV, but it's probably on the streaming sites now. Um, and uh, uh, it's very funny. Um, I'm actually pretty funny in it. Um, I remember having a lot of fun when we did it. But I was real nervous because they had me do a, uh, a song improv. 
and we sang a song in a boy band style. And I'm an experienced improviser. I used to improvise with Gary Anthony Williams, who's on Whose Line Is It Anyway Now. I came up in the L.A. improv scene at the same time as Ryan Stiles and Wayne Brady uh, and uh, and Jeff Davis and, and like people who are really some of like the best improvisers out there. And I've played with a lot of them a lot of different times. And I'm really comfortable in an improv environment, even if I – like I haven't done it in a long time, but it's one of those things where where like – you, there's a lot of muscle memory and there's like some basic improv rules that that we all know and it's kind of like I don't know if you were like an athlete or whatever and you hadn't like played whatever your sport is in a while you wouldn't be as competitive as and by competitive I mean capable of competing as someone who like you know is on a team and playing every day right now but you would still be able to get up there and like you know fit in with the rest of the team right so um uh, I felt really comfortable with that, and I really had a good time. And this is a really funny thing that happened. Um, we did a game called Helping Hands, and the Helping Hands game is a three-person game where uh, two people are doing a scene together, and one of them is not using their own hands. There's a third improviser behind them being their hands. And the fun in improv really comes from making offers, um, endowing certain things in a scene, and then playing with those things that you've made up together, right? Uh, and one of the reasons that improv works really well is that when somebody makes an offer, like here's a, you know, here I brought you that the sack of bees you ordered, right? Like what makes it fun is when that person, <laughs> the person who got the sack of bees, like takes the imaginary sack of bees and like listens to it and opens it up and all the bees fly out, right? That's like, because that's what the audience is wanting and that's what the audience is expecting. And then I don't know what happens after that, you know? Um, but uh, like maybe you open them up and you do, you, you act out that the bees are climbing all over you and you're like, finally, I, I feel like the queen that I always wanted to be or whatever it is. Where it doesn't work is when someone brings you a bag of bees and they're like, here, I brought you a bag of bees and you go, I didn't order a bag of bees. I ordered a bag of hot lava, right? That's called a block in improv. Um, so you always say like, yes, and, and you just keep doing things together and it's really fun. And um, I've just simplified like eight years of improv training into like 90 seconds. Um but uh, in this game, the person doing the hands will make offers by moving things around on a table and doing things that the person who is uh, presenting as having the hands has to justify. And the person who uh, uh, isn't using their hands um, will like say and do things so that the person who is pretending to be the hands can like pick things up and move things around. Does that make sense? I feel like I should maybe stop for a second and let you catch up. So Ryan Stiles... Uh, is and I are in a scene. Colin Mokri is being Ryan's hands, and it's funny. We're a, a rookie cop and uh, and, a, and, a, and an experienced cop on a stakeout together, and we're like doing a scene together and stuff. And uh, one of the things that you do in improv, one of my rules in improv, is if a scene feels like it's slowing down, like make things worse. Always make things worse. Um, and, uh, uh, like make things more dangerous and, and introduce elements to the scene that, that raise the stakes and stuff. So I was doing all of that and it's very funny. Um, it played really, really well. Most of the audience really liked it, <laughs> except one guy, one guy on Twitter raged at me that I ruined the scene and then proceeded to lecture me over multiple tweets about, how I did everything wrong and what my job is. And apparently, according to this guy, what I'm supposed to do is just stand there and literally not do anything. Just stand there and not do anything because, according to this guy, the comedy comes from Colin and Ryan moving their hands around. And, like, so a couple of thoughts. <laughs> couple of thoughts on that. Number one, don't fucking tell me how improv works, buddy. <laughs> okay. I, I probably, of the two of us, I have a little more experience than you do. <laughs> okay. Secondly, if you're supposed to just stand there and not do anything, why stand there at all? Like just, you know, like maybe I guess that it's just a scene of them doing whatever, but it was weird how just angry this guy was it was just like you ruined it yes i'm serious you ruined it and and i was just like i will not engage but clearly i will talk about it on my podcast several days later <laughs> because i guess 
because it's so weird. It didn't upset me the way somebody freaking out at me about it, you know, other things did, sometimes does. But in this particular case, I was just like, wow, you are really angry about this and apparently an expert uh, on, on how this sort of thing works. So I'm really proud of the episode in any event. And, uh, and, and, and I hope that you will see it. The day that I taped it, they also taped an episode with Chris Jericho. Um, and uh, that's how I got to be on Chris's podcast. And he's really funny. The song prop that, that he did with them is great. So uh, there, you might want to check it out. Okay, so that is five things I want you to know. I have no idea if this segment worked. I have no idea if it's a thing that I would do regularly. But hey, check me out, you guys. A little bit of structure uh, on uh, on the podcast. So uh, as threatened, um, I am going to uh, pretend that I have a sponsor. I am going to do a fake commercial for that sponsor. Uh, then I'm going to play you a little more music. It's Radio Free Burrito. It's the middle of July. You know my birthday is this month? My birthday is July 29th. Today's July 12th. If I was good at math, I would say my birthday is 17 days away. Did I do that right? I probably fucked up the math. Uh, anyway, Hooray! Go me! Radio Free Burrito! Listen to this. Hey, do you like music? (laughs) I know I do. Music's great for listening to and complaining about and sharing with other people. But where do you go for new music? What if you're like, I'm bored with all of my records, CDs, 8-tracks, cassettes, and MP3s. I need something new to listen to. Well, that is where Google Music comes in. Because in Google Music, you can go to a directory that's like, Hey, uh... I want to listen to music from the 70s. And the Google Music is like, awesome. Like, disco or rock? And you're like, uh, disco. And Google Music's like, well, all right, here you go. By the way, would you like to refine this a little bit further? And you're like, sure, okay. And it's like, all right, did you want, like, funky stuff? Or did you want, like, studio stuff, right? Do you want, like, Sly and the Family Stone? Or do you want, like, the Andrea True Connection? And you can be like, I kind of want Sly and the Family Stone. And the Google Music will be like, I got you, bae. Here you go go. Um, It's what I love about Google Play Music uh, is that for like, I don't know, I think it's like 10 bucks a month or something like that. Um, I can choose what I want based on mood, genre, decade, all that stuff. All the music's uh, uh, online services do it. But you guys, I'm not going to lie. Google Play Music is my absolute favorite of all of them. As I like it so much that I didn't even completely make up a commercial, right? I mean, like, I could make up a fake product, right? Which, which as a matter of fact, I'm going to make up a fake product. No, I'm going to make up a real product, but I'm going to do a commercial for it right after this one. That's different, right? That's not like, but this is like a real thing. I'm like, you guys, Google Music is fucking great. Check it out. Uh... Uh, so Radio Free Burrito is indirectly brought to you by Google Play Music. Go to Google Play Music and use offer code NERDIST to get absolutely nothing, because I don't think they do sign-ups like that, but I'm reasonably sure they do a free trial month, uh, which if you don't cancel, they then, you know, charge you for or whatever. Uh, but hey, if you want music, uh, that is, uh, carefully tailored to what you want to hear or what you want to complain about, uh, go check it out. Tell them Will Wheaton sent you, which won't make any sense at all because I don't think they want to know. Um, I feel like this went really well. This worked out really well, you guys. It's really well. Let's let the music play for a second and then we're going to fade it out. Okay, great. Hashtag nailed it. Am I right? You know I'm right. Uh, there's a story in today's New York Times written by James, I can't pronounce his last name, that is titled, Skip It! Why It's Okay to Start a TV Show in the Middle. This dovetails nicely with a thing that I wrote years ago called, It's Really Okay to Break Up with Bad TV. Uh, but I'm going to read some of this because I think it's really smart and uh, is, is a thing that uh, we all need to know to give ourselves some permission. Here we go. He writes, uh, Life is short, but television these days acts as if you had all the time in the world. The longtime TV critic Alan Sepinwall recently wrote about what he called the it's get, It Gets Good problem, the tendency of series in the binge-watch era to take ages to find their voice, establish praise, and get the plot rolling. Your friends will rave about a show but warn it doesn't really get good until episode six or season two or three. <laughs> he says, the 
problem, a high class problem, admittedly, but a problem nonetheless, is that there's more good TV these days than there is time to watch it. That's where this is where I got that phrase from a little earlier in the show. Uh, when you're asked to invest 10 hours in the hope that you'll eventually like a series, it becomes like a rent versus buy calculation. Will the equity be worth the down payment? Interesting, right? So then he talks about a bunch of different things. Um, but it comes down to this, which I think is really great. There's a kind of Protestant work ethic guilt attached to skipping bad episodes or bad seasons of a television series. People don't want to watch the wrong way, the lazy way, or the dumb way. And critics like him have contributed have contributed to this neurosis, praising the challenge of ambitious series as if reviewing hiking trails. No pain, no gain. This may be a side effect of how good TV has become. The more we realize that TV can be art, the more it takes on the high-handedness of art, the mandate that a work be absorbed in the order and under the conditions intended by its creator. So I think this is a really great opportunity for uh, me to give you permission to break up with a TV show that you do not like. Don't hate watch things, you guys. It is not worth your life. And certainly do not spend time contacting the creator of the thing that you're hate watching because you're wasting everybody's time. But also, if uh, if you want to get into a show and you're like, eh, I don't know, you don't have to watch it from the very beginning. Somebody told me, I don't remember who it was, but like, I was like, I don't know, should I get into Parks and Rec? And whoever it was was like, yeah, the second season is great. Just start with season two, episode one. So I did, and I loved it. I fell massively in love with it. And uh, by the time I had gone through enough episodes to feel like I love these characters and I love this world, I was ready to go back and watch the episodes that might have been a little less focused while it was figuring out what it was. Um, and this is advice that I give people all the time. If a series doesn't get good until whatever, if it doesn't find its way until whatever, jump in, start at that point. And then if you, you know, if, if you dig it, then go back. And, uh, and go back into it. There are notable, notable, notable exceptions to this particular uh, rule. Uh, for example, Mr. Robot, which I think is amazing from its very first frame, but uh, some people might not agree with me. A show like that that is deep and complex and layered that unroll that like slowly unwinds itself over the course of, of a lot of episodes you kind of want to watch from the beginning. In this column, this guy says that like... Uh, if, if you want to skip the slow opening episodes of The Wire, you probably don't want to watch The Wire. Also, let me just give you some free advice, okay? Um, if you're around just a random white guy and you haven't watched The Wire, do not say out loud, I haven't watched The Wire. Because... We will hear you and we will feel compelled like as if uh, by some weird biological response to come over and without you introducing us to your conversation or inviting us in, we will feel compelled to come up to you and say things like, oh my gosh, you haven't watched The Wire. You simply must watch The Wire uh, and we'll ramble for a few minutes and then we'll spend uh, like long after you've lost interest, we will say to you some version of, oh man, I'm so envious that you get to watch The Wire for the very first time uh, and, and, and I can't ever do that again. You're so lucky. And if you happen to be a person who we know, oh, though, Han, I think the, the lawnmower's back. No, it's not. I'll do it again. Okay. Um, uh, if you happen to be a person who we know, uh, then get ready for the next five months of us saying, so did you watch The Wire? And us like wanting to talk about it endlessly. So like, just, just don't say it. Just keep it, keep it to yourself. Uh, that's a, that's a free one, uh, free, free advice from, from me to you. Um, but, uh, if, if, if you, if you are compelled to, to discuss television with me, because we talked a little bit about Glow at the beginning, um, talked a little bit about Handmaid's Tale, we're late to the party on Fargo. Um, Ann and I are, uh, a little bit into the second season of Fargo. I feel like we're just about to the halfway point of the second season of Fargo. And oh my God, do I love it. Um, but I'm interested to know, like, what are you watching? Um, and is there a really great thing? I know that there's stuff like on Stars or HBO or Showtime that I'm just not seeing because it's just not coming across my radar because I'm so far behind and catching up on other things. But I'm interested. And I always like to give you a thing 
to like you know talk about if you choose to come to radiofreeburrito.com and leave a comment um i would uh i'd be interested to know like is there a thing that i'm missing that uh, that i should really be watching because uh i would like to know about that if 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 so um so listen we've been doing this for close to an hour and i feel like we're kind of reaching the end of me having things that are remotely interesting to talk about as opposed to things that are not even interesting at all to talk about so um i do want to play you another song so I'm going to play you another song and then I'm uh, probably going to come back and wrap up the show. So uh, I don't even know what I'm going to play you. Oh, this is so exciting. Let's see. What do you think? What do you think? What do you want to hear? What do you feel like? Do you want to hear something recorded on the Moog synthesizer? Well, you can't because my Moog directory apparently isn't. Oh, no, it's not empty. The drive was just taking forever to load up. Let's see here. How about if I play for you, I'm just going to choose it based on title. I'm not even going to listen to it. So like here's an Enoch Light song. I know Enoch Light. He's amazing. Um, so I know it's going to be good, but let's take a chance. There's another Enoch Light. Oh, doing Marrakesh Express, the Crosby, Stills, and Nash song? Really? Okay, no, no. What we're going to do is Claude Denjean or Denjean, I don't know, doing Sugar Sugar. Yeah. I mean, how can you not do that, right? All right, everybody. Uh... Put yourselves into a mellow mood. If you have a sunken living room, please sit in it. Grab your spray bottle and make sure that your house plants are properly hydrated. Adjust the turtleneck that you're wearing indoors and uh, swirl your brandy because we're going to listen to some Moog synthesizer music. This is Claude Denjean with Sugar Sugar on Radio Free Burrito. say like if i just randomly pick something and uh just take a chance and commit to playing it it could have done a lot worse that was weird and and awesome hey if you like electronic music uh check out my Bandcamp page i've i've put some stuff there that's like it's okay um it might be worth a dollar uh that's at willwheaton.bandcamp.com also you might want to check out a thing that i do with my friend sean bonner we have resurrected a project that that uh is from our uh, misspent youth called the saturday night massacre 
and uh, we did a Kickstarter a little while ago to like re-release, uh, or rather to release some new music and to re-record, like get together and, and do some stuff for the first time in a really long time. And uh, that has come out as well. If you uh, look for Saturday Night Massacre uh, on the, go- well, I mean, if you Google it, you're going to get a bunch of Richard Nixon stuff, but uh, head over to the SeanBonner.com and uh, Sean mentions it in his email newsletter, which is great, which you should be listening to. Listening to? Reading? I mean, I guess you could listen to it if you put it through a text-to-speech thing or whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, you might want to take a look at Saturday Night Massacre. Um, there's a real good chance that we're going to get some of our new recordings and actually press them on vinyl, which would be really super freaking cool, and I would really love it. Um, so uh, I think that's the end of this show. I mean, it ends kind of abruptly, right? Like, I've just run out of things to talk about. Most of the other stuff that's really kind of on my mind is like current events kind of things. So I guess, you know what, you can stop listening now if you want to. Um, But I'm just going to do a couple of current events things because I have found that doing a podcast that does not include current events is difficult. Um, Because like, just like I said earlier, you know, I'm looking into my closet of my mental closet for things to talk about, and it's just empty. But if I went to like, the top of my mental desk, I could uh, uh, talk about a lot of things. Like, for example, today is a day of action where we in the United States are contacting our FCC because I can't fucking believe we have to do this again. But um, the the shitty fucking Trump administration has put a guy in charge of the FCC who's a former Verizon employee who hates network neutrality, who wants to make it possible and legal for your internet service provider to slow down and throttle your internet connection just because. So for example, right now, all traffic on the internet moves at the same speed regardless of where it came from. But... If we do not have the uh, the 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 uh, a network neutrality as a law and as a regulation, a company like Comcast could decide, hey, guess what? Your streaming services. Well, we're going to stream you Compact, Comcast, NBC Universal programs uh, at at the best speed possible, um, and you can enjoy that. But uh, if you want to watch like a CW program, or if you wanted to watch an ABC or Disney program program or something like that. Hey, guess what? You either pay more for that service uh, so that it's at the same speed and the same quality, or we force them to pay us a fee so that it can be delivered to you at the same quality as our service. Uh, and uh, they pass that cost along to you. And hey, guess what? It's all nice and legal if we don't have network neutrality. I live in Los Angeles, and my beloved Los Angeles Dodgers are for the either second or third season in a row basically locked behind the shittiest fucking exclusivity agreement that I have ever experienced in my life here in Southern California. Uh, unless you have Time Warner Cable, you don't get to watch Dodger games on TV. You can't watch them on direct TV. They're very rarely on regular television. Um, they're not on any of the other uh, cable uh, networks. And uh, there's nothing that you can do about it. So if, uh, like, the Dodgers are having one of their best seasons ever, and unless you are a Time Warner cable subscriber, you don't get to watch the games, even though you live in Los Angeles, because they can take them off. That's because there are these terrible agreements that are old that are involved in, in cable and broadcast television. That has never been the case with the internet. Internet has always been delivered uh, neutrally without regard to who uh, is creating the content or where the content is coming from. And if ISPs, which are largely owned uh, in conjunction with or wholly owned by media companies, have the ability, the legal ability to fuck with your internet connection, they will do it. Um, And it's terrible. And they're astroturfing the FCC. Somebody found out that there were people taking some organization which... uh, uh, does you know the there's plausible deniability for for like Comcast but someone was taking tons and tons of Comcast, Comcast customer information uh, entries and submitting forms to the FCC saying, hey, I'm a Comcast customer. Here's all my information. I think network neutrality is terrible. Please don't keep it anymore. And then people were like, wait a minute. I didn't fucking do that. And I don't want that to happen. So some folks put together a website that would allow you to see if your name had been used so that you could like ask for it to be changed or contest it. And Comcast sent a cease and desist and a takedown to them 
because it used the Comcast name in the thing. So they're super fucking evil and we have to fight them and stop them from crushing our internet. So what we're doing today is uh, we are going online and we are sending tons of emails and making tons of phone calls and just making sure that uh, the FCC knows that the consumers they are supposed to protect and the uh, are not on the same page as the business uh, industry that they are set to regulate. And the only way that we stop them from throttling and ruining the internet is if we make it politically impossible for uh, for the FCC and and the Congress to claim that 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 they have the support of uh, of the users. So this is less an issue for those of you who don't live in America. But if you do live in America, it's extremely important. You can go to my blog at willwheaton.net and there's all the information you need to, to, to use. It'll take you two minutes. And even if you're not listening to this on Wednesday, July 12th, whenever you hear this um, for the next several months, um, please, please, please get involved and do that. Um, I know that it is exhausting right now. You know, those of us that care about healthcare are trying really hard to prevent um, the the Senate and the House from taking healthcare away from 24 million people. Those of us that care about anything mattering in our government are trying to get a single fucking Republican in Congress to to act as a check and or balance on the Trump administration. You know, in the last 24 hours, we got the incontrovertible proof that the Trump campaign colluded with Russia to mess up the uh, the election and uh, and and undermine our election. These are the current events things that I think about a lot that I could talk about a lot if I prepared. Um, I didn't. Um, we talk about a little bit of it on Love It or Leave It. But uh, anyway, those are the things that are on my mind when it comes to like current event stuff. Uh, and uh, that's why I don't talk about it because I feel like a lot of you are just like, oh, that's not why I'm listening to this podcast, which I get. That's fine. Um, I feel like I could probably get into why I love Star Trek the Animated Series so much and why I will fight people who say it's terrible and should be taken out of canon. Um, but I'm not going to do that because we're coming up on an hour and, uh, and I have a headache and I'm going to play in my Star Wars RPG tonight and I still have work to do uh, before the day is over. So um, I'm going to go ahead and say thank you for listening to this episode of Radio Free Burrito. I'd say that it's probably 31% less terrible than the one that I uh, uh, decided not to release from uh, the last time I tried to sit down to record this, um, and and uh, and I guess that's I'm not going to overthink it. I'm just going to put it out, and it's going to be what it is. So thanks a lot for listening, and um, I guess uh, you know we'll see you around. I'll be doing more podcasts at some point in the mysterious future. Um, I'm Will. You are you. This is Radio Free Burrito, and I'll talk to you next time. Okay, bye. Radio Free Burrito is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share-alike license. For more information, please visit creativecommons.org. Radio Free Burrito lives at radiofreeburrito.com, where you can find pictures, links to past shows, and until this episode, show notes. I have decided to at least temporarily discontinue the show notes because it's an awful lot of work for me to put them into the post, and I feel like no one particularly cares, nor do they add value. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I think you won't. And now today's random Wikipedia fact. AD 47 was a common year starting on Sunday of the Julian calendar. At the time, it was known as the year of the consulship of Caesar and Vitellius, or, less frequently, year 800 ab urbe condita. The denomination AD 47 for this year has been used since the early medieval period when the Anno Domini calendar era became the prevalent method in Europe for naming years. And if you don't know, why well now you know.